All right, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined for the first time on this podcast by Coach Natalie Lewis. Um, Natalie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course, I am so stoked to be having this conversation. So for listeners that might not know, Natalie is the newest coach on our team. Um, And how that came about, what we started the mentorship in June, is that correct? It was more like April, May. Okay. <laughs> well, regardless, we started the we started the mentorship um, a couple of months ago. Um, Natalie started mentoring with our team, and throughout that, like throughout the start of that, I remember digging into everything you were doing with your clients. Because a little for a little bit of context, basically, it was like us, Andrea, and myself working through like everything and everyone within the mentorship was doing. It was a mentorship for coaches. And just basically how you were handing out your clients, what your communication was like, what your training pro- program design was like. And that was everything that you were doing was like, damn, that is, I wish I had more feedback to give you here, but this is like exactly what I would do to a weird extent. It like felt like exactly what I would do. And I was, I was so impressed with that, that um, I know I threw out there like, Hey, if you ever decide you don't want to do your own thing. Like I would love to have you as part of the team. And I was somewhat surprised when you were like, yeah, let's talk, but I'm couldn't be happier with how this worked out. Again, you are an incredible coach. I know all of your clients love you to death. And I think it's so cool to see just the relationship, not only the results that your clients achieve, but also the relationships that you build with your clients. But I don't want to ramble too long. So First, before we get into our topic for the day, kind of just kick it off with what made you decide you wanted to join the team? Yeah, so, um, you know, I was in the mentorship program for Elevated Coaching Systems um, because, you know, I just wanted to be a better coach. I've always had mentors, um, you know, even everything I did growing up, like, I was into classical music for a while, um, but you know, I I grew up just basically learning from people. Like whatever I wanted to do, I was I wanted to be great at it. Um, and so when I got into coaching, it was really no different. Um, and it just became, you know, well, you know, I was I was a longtime listener of of Living Lean of this podcast, which is so wild that I'm now on it. Um, <laughs> But as a longtime listener, you know, I was just like, well, I want to do what he does. So when Jeremiah opened up his DMs, like, hey, I'm taking on mentorship clients, you know, I slid into the DMs and was like, teach me how to do what you do. Um, I just, that has always been the fast track to success for me. Um, And I was just like, download everything, teach me. Um, And we just kind of like hit it off and, you know, kind of like Jeremiah said, you know, there was just really good rapport with everyone on the team. Um, I felt very supported and encouraged uh, in my own nutrition and fitness journey, as well as my coaching journey. Um, You know, I felt very safe and comfortable, you know, asking questions and, you know, really kind of opening myself up to feedback. And it just became this all around collaborative, supportive environment. And so when, you know, when, you pose the question like, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're ever interested, I was like, yes, yes, I am. Let's chat. Um, cause you know, I, through it all, I really realized I, 
I didn't necessarily want to be a business owner. I wanted to coach people. That's why I got into coaching. So if I could not be a business owner and really just throw myself into the coaching aspect, um, you know, that that's, that's basically what I wanted to do. Absolutely. And again, it's been so cool to see you just working with more and more clients. And again, just how well, and you've been coaching for quite some time, but it's really like you just hit the ground so quickly. It was such an incredibly smooth transition where I felt like before you even started with us, you were already part of our team. So I really couldn't be happier with how that transition has gone as well. And I love what you said there. And I know like even on our initial call, I love your mindset around like mentors because I agree like that's been one of the single most helpful things for me as well is it's always like if I see someone who's doing what I want to do or has the knowledge that I want like the quickest way to go about it is just hiring them right and it's so I think for coaches listening that's such an important thing to like take away from this as well truly like as a team our development has been so much quicker because we focus so much on like, okay, who is doing this incredibly well that we can just pay and learn from, right? It really does kind of collapse time. So I want to dig into your background a bit. Can you kind of talk us through your journey and what led you to become a coach? Because you really have a very, a very interesting story. The first time I heard this was so crazy to me. So take it away. I think I remember our discovery call, you know, I I just was like, okay, well, here we go. And you were like, I literally have never heard anything like that. (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah. So, you know, in a previous life, I was a professional French horn player, classical musician. Um, (laughs) Just incredible. A professional French horn player. Right. I, yeah, I spent seven years um, playing in the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. So I lived abroad in Hong Kong um, for seven years. And, um, you know, a lot of interesting parallels uh, between, you know, being a musician and the life that that I live now, but that's perhaps for another podcast. Um, But, you know, when I was over living in Hong Kong, I, you know, I realized I needed to get healthy. <laughs> um, it's a very fast paced life over there. It's it's a lot like living in New York. I mean, you can get whatever you want, whenever you want it, you know, by way of food, alcohol, you know, late night concerts and unwinding after concerts. And, you know, after a while, I was just like, well, this is this is my life now. Like I this isn't a temporary thing. This is what I do. I need to figure out how to get healthy. Like I don't I don't feel well, I don't like the way I look, I, you know, um, so I started looking into, you know, fitness opportunities. And, you know, I I was big into dance classes, actually, and my girlfriends and I would like take dance class at at there, like, yeah, (laughs) just like a blast. Um, You know, and then I got into like the Les Mills body pump. um, And that was fun. It's kind of like dancing to weightlifting. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I was into that for a while and then we got into spin. I just sort of did it all. And then one you really my, ran the gambit. I really, I've done it all pretty much. Um, and then, you know, one of my girlfriends in that group, um, was really into CrossFit because her, her husband started and kind of like roped her into it. And so she kind of pulled away from the Globo gym group and, you know, she got really into it. She was like, Natalie, I think you would really like this. Like, I think you'd be really good at it. And of course, uh, you know, my competitive streak as someone who was like a professional musician, you know, who had to 
take auditions to win a job. Like my competitive streak, you know, just like the fire was lit. And I was like, I do have to do this. Like if I can be the best at it, I need to do this. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of launched into that. Um, and that, you know, CrossFit just became such a huge part of my life to the point where it started kind of eclipsing the music side of things. Um, you know, what started out as a, a release, you know, like most people get into fitness for stress relief and all of this really just kind of took on a greater role in my life. Um, and then, you know, all of my friends were gym friends. We were all doing CrossFit things. And, you know, one of the really amazing things about the CrossFit community that I still love to this day is that it's just such a supportive environment. And then all of a sudden you're spending all of your time around these people who also prioritize health and fitness and are always right. looking for ways to like, improve, you know, improve themselves, like, yes, improve at CrossFit, but also improve nutrition, improve themselves, you know, mindset. And, and it just, you know, that I just felt more and more at home there. Um, and all the while, you know, I was training, um, and I was fairly competitive, uh, at the time CrossFit was relatively new in Asia at that point. And because it, the, the only reason I was competitive was because it was new, like, okay. Let's be very honest. I was like, not that great. Um, but I was decently strong, you know, but I also was like the bigger athlete. You know, I was in a Western body. I am in a Western body, but, uh, you know, I was a Western body living over in Asia where I was bigger than a lot of people. Um, and then, you know, once I started lifting, you know, I just, I hadn't, even touch nutrition. So like no clue what was going on over there, but it was just like, man, I'm getting pretty big, you know? And, um, and even like my coaches would refer to me as a quote, bigger athlete. And, you know, they okay. didn't mean it like that, you know, it's right. really kind of like, a, like, like a bro thing. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I just sort of owned it because I thought I had to, because I didn't know there was another way. Um, I was just like, well, this is, you know, I'm yeah, just a bigger athlete. But then I also thought like, but if I got smaller, I, maybe I'd be better at CrossFit because, you know, there's a lot of gymnastics, body weight movements. Um, so it's like, I went through all, you know, I did like RP strength a few times, like one-on-one -on -one coaching. I did the templates and, you know, I'd, I'd get a little bit smaller and, and then, you know, and nothing ever really stuck. Um, but in any case, that was, that was really my entrance into fitness and, and eventually nutrition, um, was, was through CrossFit. Um, and yeah, okay. I, I can, I can keep going. It's a much longer story. Yeah. So it sounds like, again, you took a ton from the community and really kind of fell in love with both the competitive side of things, but also like seeing how you could change your physique. And again, like having something that you were so good at. And then it sounds like initially nutrition was kind of the frustration. Is that pretty accurate? Where you, again, you mentioned you tried like a couple different diets, but we're still kind of struggling to find anything that's stuck, so to speak. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. And like what I will say, I mean, again, another like, you know, another win for CrossFit is really like, it was, it was just the first time in my life that you know, I, it became about what my body could do, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to what I looked like. Um, because I, you know, the only reason I was like looking for a fitness, anything was to change my body. You know, right. it's like, well, I guess I have to do something, you know, I guess I have to be healthy now. I might as well just suck it up and find something. <laughs> hey, 
you know? And then of course I ended up loving it, but, but, you know, there, there's just this like, I've, and I've seen it cause I used to coach CrossFit. Um, so I've seen it in so many people and I've experienced it firsthand myself. Like that, that switch that flips when it becomes about like what you look like, what your body looks like versus what your body can do. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, that is just one of the most transformative things that can ever happen. And like, I, I just remember getting my first pull up, like as a, as a grown adult, you know, right. and like the, the one that like the girl that was in gym class with everyone else that like, couldn't, like, couldn't climb a rope, couldn't, you know, couldn't do pull ups. Like I, I never in my wildest imagination did I think like I would be able to do pull ups, let alone like weighted pull ups up to 50 pounds you know, in my adult life, like that's cool. And like, you know, so that, that to me was just so transformative, but in the back of my mind, it was still like, okay, but I really don't like how I look, (laughs) you know? And, and yeah, to your point of nutrition was really just like the missing link that it took me so long to figure out. Okay. Yeah, within that, I know we've talked a couple of times about you have, I don't think I've ever seen anyone that has the ability to get other people as excited about their training as you do. It's so cool to see like your clients just like are so stoked on what they're doing with their training and very much like within our team, we're very focused, not just on like, we're going to lose weight, right? Rather, we want to make sure we teach you how to fuel yourself. We want you to feel strong and athletic and training. And again, like not just using nutrition as a catalyst for fat loss, but nutrition as a catalyst for fueling your body and supporting your health. Like that's such an important variable, but that makes a lot of sense. Like I know I've asked you a couple of times, like, Hey, where does, where does that come from? But I really think that it almost sounds like that might be it. Right. Where again, you mentioned like making that shift from just like it being changing how I look to like again, realizing how your body can feel and like what it's like to get stronger, things of that nature. And I really think that's probably a big part of where that comes from. So for you, what kind of was the turning point with your nutrition when you'd feel like you kind of figured it out or it kind of started to click? Um, You know, that was a point where I had since, you know, left Hong Kong, I left the orchestra um, and I moved back to the U.S. and, you know, was in a different career um, yet again. Uh, and I, you know, but I had started coaching CrossFit. Um, so it's like I was already coaching and I was like deeper into that space. And then and then, you know, that's when like, you know, all the thoughts set in about like, but I don't even look the part like mm-hmm. I'm decently strong and like I'm coaching CrossFit, but you would never know, Um, you know, and, and I remember, you know, I was visiting a CrossFit gym here in Virginia, CrossFit Lorton um, shout out. And I was talking to the owner who was a friend of mine about, you know, she ran a nutrition company Mm -hmm. and we were just chatting over the holidays, you know, I was home visiting my family and, um, and I was just like, yeah, like I just, you know, I know there's something here with this nutrition piece and I can't, I can't figure it out. Um, and I've tried like RB strength, I've tried it all, you know, I classic, I've tried it all. Right. Of course. Right. And, you know, she was like, well, I have a nutrition company. I was like, yeah, I know, but like, give me your elevator pitch. Sell me like, <laughs> how are you different? You know, go for it. 
And so we just kind of started chatting and she said, like, give me a chance. Like, let's, let's do it. And I was like, all right, fine. You're hired. Because again, like outsource it. You can't figure it out. Outsource it. Right. <laughs> Find someone that can. And so um, I hired her as my coach. Um, shout out to Hannah. And, you know, it was, it was, it was such a funny journey in retrospect because, you know, I was one of those people who like, you know, she was just adding in food and I was like, this is wild. I'm losing weight. I'm the anomaly, you know? (laughs) Um, and of course, like what I realized in retrospect is that she just got me really consistent. (laughs) Like weird how that works. Oh, it's wild. Um, I was like, I'm the one I defy the law of thermodynamics, you know? Um, so it was, but it was just like such a cool process and it was, you know, it was just, it was literally transformative. I feel like I've used that word five times at this point, but like, it's it a great was, word though. I felt like a different person. I felt like the clouds lifted, like my mood was better. I mean, yes, I, I was losing fat and like, you know, my clothes were fitting looser and I was moving better at the gym but also like my mood improved. And I I literally felt like a different person. Like I felt like I used to be really pessimistic and all of a sudden, like I wasn't, I was, I was now more optimistic and it was the whole thing was just, you know, wild and life-changing. And um, so to your earlier question, how did you get into coaching? It's like, I want to do that for people. Like I want other, it's not that I want to do that for people. I want other people to experience that. Oh, absolutely. And it truly is such an incredible thing when you can show someone again, because I think a lot of people kind of look at like their physique and how they're feeling almost as like this, like, I don't know if sentient being is the right word, but almost like this, like, like if we look at like metabolism, for example, I think like a lot of people just think of metabolism as like this force that's like kind of out to get them. And you either have like a good metabolism or you have an evil metabolism that just like sabotages everything you do. And it's like, well, I guess this, this is just where I'm stuck. But when you can show, or even like, I know we work with so many women who have already been in this place where like probably have followed a very similar nutrition approach to you where like, Hey, I've done all the thing where, where you or what you were following at that point where like, yo, I've done all the things like on almost all of our calls with new clients. It's like, I've done all the things with nutrition. I've starved myself. I've eaten healthy. I've tried like whatever different templates, same thing within my training. Like I crush myself and I'm still like, haven't seen close to the changes that I want. And it is truly such an incredible thing to show someone like, Hey, if we just take a bit smarter approach to this, like in a lot of situations and like effort is of course of such an important part of this variable, but or part of this equation, the reality is like most of the clients we work with, it's not a case of like, Hey, I just need someone to motivate me and kick, get like, give me a kick in the ass. Rather it's like, I already work so hard. We just need to apply a smarter approach to this. Right. And it is crazy to see the changes that you're capable of. So within you, like your own nutrition journey, what do you feel like it was about your work with Hannah that was so different that made it stick versus what you've done in the past? You know, I I just remember, I think probably a lot of people can relate to this. Like when you feel like you've tried everything, it's like you can either run towards something or run away from something. Right. And like, I was just, I was like at my wits end and I was like, I don't even care anymore. Like, just, just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. 
like, all right, you said you can, you can do this for me, then like, fine, do it. And I was just, I just completely submitted, okay, you know, to, to the process um, and was like, literally like, I'm so frustrated, whatever you tell me to do, like, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And of course I asked questions along the way because I'm a curious person. I wanted to know like, Oh, big question big question asker here yeah all right like how is how is this working why is this working like why are we not doing it this way so you know from an educational perspective of course like i would ask questions um and i, I encourage my clients to do the same you have every right to know why it is you're doing something oh yeah um, but yeah i was just i was just fed up i was like whatever i don't even care just lay it on me and like i mean i i started seeing you know progress pretty quickly and i was like well okay let's keep going then you know and i i just i just put my head down and did the work okay so do you feel like you were a large part of what was just you were because it sounds like basically what you guys did i'm guessing you're tracking macros it sounds like you were not necessarily feeding you up actually because i know you mentioned you got leaner but it sounds like you were just more consistent on the daily versus potentially like having these up and down cycles of like eating a lot, eating a little. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that kind of sounds like where we're coming from here. No, that was totally it. I mean, I I knew a little bit about nutrition, you know, because like of my work with RP Strength, like I, I knew what macros were. I knew how to track mm-hmm. food accurately and use a food scale and, you know, all of the things. Um, so, you know, the things that we started doing together weren't novel. It's like I knew I knew how to hit a protein goal and like how to hit macro targets and get my protein up. And like I, I knew all of that. But like to be held accountable to do it for a long time and not just 90 days um and really adopt it as a lifestyle and and be held accountable on the weekends i mean i i was for sure the classic person that was like you know buckled buckled in monday through friday and then the weekend hit and it's like sweet time to go out you know and then right. and then there it was so you know being held accountable um to kind of stick with it monday through sunday um honestly it's the adherence and consistency absolutely and i think a lot of people underrate the value of that consistency seven days a week especially when it comes to getting leaner like again i know so many newer clients we take on it will be like hey you're in a situation where five days a week you're basically and i i again i don't want to like say this is necessarily where you're coming from just a common scenario we see where it's like five days a week you're like starving yourself you're hardly eating anything but then we have, so you're underfueled all week. You're really struggling to train hard. You're really struggling to recover, which is going to hinder your ability to lose muscle. But then we have like maybe two days a week where, again, we're kind of just off the rails entirely. And that's enough to negate any fat loss, but also we're in this position that's so suboptimal for building muscle. And I think so many people are kind of just like stuck in a very similar process to that, that like, that's one of the biggest things we can undo. Okay. So that that's super interesting then. So let's talk through kind of your transition from crossfit to a more hypertrophy focused style of training because i know the way that you train has really evolved in the last in the last few years even and again i think a lot of the listeners will relate to this because we do bring on quite a few listeners that are kind of coming from a crossfit background but again feeling like hey i'm not seeing the results that i want despite again like crushing myself very consistently um Talk us through kind of like that evolution. Like what made you transition away from CrossFit into a more hypertrophy focused style of training? Um, Well, I think, you know, I would have to say that 
COVID uh, 2020 um, played a, a pretty significant role in that, you know, gyms were closed. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. Um, and, you know, I, I went to a CrossFit gym there. Um, shout out CrossFit uh, Fearless Athletics uh, in Philadelphia. But, you know, they were oh, gyms were closed and cities had it really bad during COVID. Right. Like, like we had multiple closures. Um, and, you know, at this point, like fitness and nutrition were a huge part of my life. And I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Um, so, you know, I had like I, I lived in front of a um, a middle school. Like I had a little tiny studio apartment in front of a middle school and they had a playground with like this. Okay. <laughs> AstroTurf and like some monkey bars. And I was like, sweet, it's all I need. And like, I owned a TRX, a set of 35 pound dumbbells, you know, event eventually got a 16 kg kettlebell. And I was like, I can do this. And, you know, I'm, I'm someone who like thrives on adversity. You know, I was like, oh, I'll show everyone, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to emerge a champion kind of thing. And I like had this completely relentless methodical um execution of like quarantine you know whereas like i literally just like wrote out training programs for myself um five days a week and like i would you know it was it was nothing fancy it was like good old linear progression you know um yeah i knew like the basics and i knew like oh yeah like push pull and like antagonist supersets and you know, I knew, I knew enough. Um, and I was like, yeah, like, let's, let's do this 35 pound dumbbells and TRX. Let's go. Um, and I actually ended up getting really fit. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. Um, you know, and of course this is also paired with, um, the nutrition I was working on with Hannah. I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of fun. Um, and then when gyms reopened, you know, months later for the first time, um, I was, I was coaching at that gym and like, you know, I'd show up really early and I would try and get in the workouts and, and actually things felt really good for like, my, my body felt really good, mm -hmm. but then you also take into account like, okay, I was basically doing a completely different style of training for the last several months. Um, I was like resting my body and like, not commuting to a job because we were all working remotely. Right. Um, so like the confluence of all of these things. And, um, then I started getting back into CrossFit because I was just so stoked to have a barbell in my hands again. And like, you know, um, be able to do all the, the fun things. And I ended up getting pretty badly injured. Um, my shoulder, I think like it was partially torn rotator cuff. Um, I, I never had imaging done, but you know, did go to see doctors, physical therapists, like got cortisone shots and like the whole works. And um, it was just very frustrating and got myself into a situation where it took me about a year and a half to rehab my shoulder. So, um, you know, I, I was like this, I can't, I, I can't just like, all I was doing was shoulder rehab as a workout. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like a full-time job. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I can't. I like, I, I miss training. I miss like progression. I mean, beyond like outside of my shoulder. And I just like, there's, there's gotta be another way. And, and so while I was kind of simultaneously doing the shoulder rehab, um, you know, I was, I kind of went back to like my COVID training of like, well, what worked really well back then? Like start implementing some of that stuff because I clearly can't do the class workouts you know, and I was tired of like subbing every single movement, you know, that was right. like 
pulling or overhead. And I never felt like the substitutions I made were, you know, they were never like a one-to-one in terms Mm -hmm. of effort or stimulus. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, I feel like this is like a step above sitting on, sitting on the couch. Like if that person like, well, at least I'm doing something, but like that just wasn't good enough for me. Um, So that's when I just kind of like dug a little bit deeper into researching other ways of training and like, why does this work? And, you know, like anyone, especially during COVID when, you know, we were spending all our time on TikTok and social media, I just, I went down so many rabbit holes, just like rapidly consuming content and like, you know, researching like points and counterpoints and just being really, really curious. Like why, why does this work? Um, And that's how I found Living Lean podcast and, you know, a lot of other creators in the space uh, who I really admire and have learned from. And, um, and again, as someone like this theme kind of, I feel like in my life keeps coming back of like, but it's, I, I need to know more. Like, I just need to know more. Um, you know, I was like, well, what if, like, what if I really take this for a ride? Like, what if I just do this training now? And like, that's what I do. Um, what would, what would happen? And so that's what I did. Okay. Like, so oh, what wow. was works really well. <laughs> so what would you say were the key differences between like your quarantine workouts, which seem to be so effective versus what you were doing in CrossFit? Um, I mean, for starters, I had to adapt the movements I was doing because mm-hmm. I didn't have a barbell. Right. You know, and like I was decently strong. So like I I couldn't lean on like a one RM deadlift, you know, like anything that was like hundreds of pounds because like I didn't have it. So it was just like, well, okay, a pair of 35 pound dumbbells, like what's going to be challenging at 30, Mm -hmm. you know, at 70 pounds total. Right. And it was things like, you know, RDLs, like all RDLs with like tempo work, um, you know, like pushups at tempo. Um, you know, like honestly, some of like presses, like dumbbell presses, mm-hmm. you know, some of the most like basic movements there were just like executed as well as I could, like with tempo and control. Okay. So it almost sounds like you really just started to prioritize execution. Um, it sounds like if I'm correct, you were focused a bit more on progressive overload than you were before and also potentially just resting a bit longer even within like your training sessions that you were previously is all that pretty accurate. That's incredibly accurate. Like I knew like re progressive overload. I just like, I didn't even know what that was at the time, but I was doing, you know, cause I knew I like every week, you know, I was repeating sessions. Like it it literally, I did like, um, pull-up cycles, like, like just to make my pull-ups better. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, for CrossFit, it's like, you know, I, I'm just going to get really strong at pulling. Um, and I just knew, I knew how to progress it and how to get stronger. And like, I didn't know that it was called progressive overload, but that's exactly what I was doing, you know? And I right. knew that, like every week, cause I, I do like literally like have Google sheets of my workouts during quarantine. And it was like, like 12 week pull-up cycles. And, and I would just like run it over and over, you know? And I was like, okay, well this time we're going to do a pronated grip. And then like 12 weeks later, it's like, okay, we're going to switch to supinated now. And it was just the same thing. And I knew that I just had to show up the next week and just like try to do more than I did the week before. 
Absolutely. But that's like, I mean, again, if we look at hypertrophy training, like training to build muscle in a nutshell, that is going to be one of the most important variables of it, right? Progressing the same movement over time. Can we add a bit of load? Can we add more reps? Are we executing in a manner and in a tempo that's really going to allow, allow us to apply significant tension to the tissue that we're trying to train, right? And it's cool to like hear, even like with that, like it's as basic as it sounds, the amount of progress you were capable of making. Um, whereas again, before, I don't know, I don't want to like, I definitely don't want people to take this episode as a saying like CrossFit is something you should avoid or shouldn't do. Like, I think CrossFit is great from a community perspective. And like, there's tons of coaches out there also that are programming it in a very intelligent manner. But a lot of times, like when it comes to like, Hey, if your goal is to build as much lean muscle as possible. Um, and if your programming is basically just constantly doing things at random, we don't really have this element of progressive overload or like log books and tracking your progression week to week, or like a heavy focus on execution. Um, within that again, like a lot will be left on the table as far as building muscle. So it's super cool to kind of hear how you stumbled across that realization, so to speak. So I would ask for you when it comes to physique development. Are there a few key lessons you've learned in your transition from CrossFit to a more hypertrophy focused style of training that you try to impart on your clients now? Yes. So many things. Um, I think first and foremost, um, CrossFit, I I just want to be clear. First of all, I still love CrossFit so much. I love, I love the sport. Um, it put a barbell in my hands and it's put a barbell in so many women's hands. Um, so you know, in the community, like you said, like those things are amazing. Um, but first and foremost, CrossFit is a sport, like you are training for a sport. Right. Um, and that in and of itself, like, you know, I I was thinking about this actually, because I knew we were going to do this podcast today. I was thinking about this on my way home from the gym. And I was like, man, what other sport is there where like people look at the athletes and they're like, why don't I look like that? You know, like, is that unique to CrossFit? Because I was thinking like, you know, the, the Williams sisters, like everyone who plays tennis, like I I never really hear anyone. Like, I don't get it. I play tennis. Why don't I look like them? (laughs) That's a good insight. Yeah. And I was like, I've never thought of that before, but like with CrossFit, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, like again, people that, you know, play football, like tag football on the weekend they're not like i don't get it like i don't i don't look like tom brady i don't look like a linebacker it's like well no of course not but it's like then what is it about crossfit that that has this thing where people are like i do crossfit why don't i look like it i i don't know um but you know i just like to be really clear like crossfit is a sport there are people that do this professionally now and and you know most of them have athletic backgrounds so they come into the sport very muscled um you know and they're also not just doing crossfit like they're doing lots of supplemental training um and progressively overloading and like it's their full-time job so that's the the thing i try to make most clear is that crossfit is a sport like you're training for a sport you're not training for the physique of crossfit so what do you want do you want to be good at crossfit or like are you looking to you know improve your physique and I'm not saying that there can't be a Venn diagram, a little bit of both mm-hmm. for sure. But when we're talking about physique optimization, that's a specific result. So you need to get specific. Okay. Uh, 
So that is a conversation I I have had and will continue to have with with many clients. Okay. Uh, I think that's very well put. I really like the example. And that's like same thing. I mean, I know even like um for in high school, we would like look at like the most jacked NFL players and it's like, okay, I think we need to like go do like their we we need to go like do some football drills, right? Because that's how they train. It's like, hey, that's really not like if you're looking at this dude with just jacked biceps and that's what you want to get out of this, you're not gonna get that by like going and doing some cone drills or whatever it may be. But I think like CrossFit's very that's that's a great analogy though. Like very much it is like training to be the best at CrossFit, but that isn't the same as training to build lean muscle, right? So when we're looking at physique development as a whole, again, like there may be some carryover there, but it's not quite like, again, like the individuals that you see who are in, like, do you have these incredible physiques in CrossFit, just like any other professional sport or any other sport that we look at, again, a lot of times it's not like that thing specifically, like that specific style of training that you're seeing that caused that physique anything else that stands out there as far as key lessons you'd like to impart on your clients um i think one of the biggest ones is you know more isn't always more (laughs) um you know it's like we we always want to start with like the the minimum effective dose of something right right um because like if you could work smarter why would you work harder kind of thing you know and i don't like i think there's just something about the crossfit mentality and again this is one of the things i love about crossfit and crossfitters is like they're so tenacious and like so driven and you know goal oriented that like they just want to be moving the needle constantly um and i recognize that in myself as well um and those are great qualities, but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to do more, you know, like it, but it's always like, can I move? Can I? And, and I think that comes from like also a little bit of impatience, you know, like, but can I move this along faster if I just do more? And I think people are surprised to find out that like, sometimes the answer is no, (laughs) like just because you, you know, feel fine doesn't mean that like 1500 calories per day, six days in the gym per week, plus five days of running is conducive to building muscle or the the shape or physique that you want. Oh, absolutely. You know, just cause like you, you feel fine doing it doesn't mean that's optimal. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, these, I feel like these are just all lessons I've learned personally, yeah. but that I, I see it, you know, I, I see it happen um, through clients, you know, and just yeah that whole concept of just like more isn't more not always yeah and i think that's one of the oftentimes that can be one of the biggest challenges for new clients i know we talk about this constantly with both the amount of training we're doing where when we're looking at building muscle there's a fine line between are we doing enough volume so basically think enough hard sets per week to stimulate new growth Versus are we doing so much? This is actually receives your body's recovery capacity. And thus you're not actually growing as much as you could if you're doing a little bit less. I think for a lot of new clients, like the idea of pulling back there is something that at the start can be kind of a hard pill to swallow. Very similarly with nutrition, like again, like 
more dieting. Hey, you've been dieting on extremely low calories for a very long period of time. Because of that, you've really struggled to like build the amount of muscle you want to change your physique. More dieting right now, like just like throwing quote unquote more on top of the pile isn't necessarily going to lead to the changes you want. But I also think that can be a very hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. Yeah. And it's because that's also become their comfort zone. Right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to like dig into that fear of like, where is that fear coming from? You know, like if you back off some of the, let's say cardio, you know, or the weekend runs for a little while, not for forever, you know, but like, if you back off, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And, you know, a lot of the times I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I mean, talk about a rabbit hole. I think it's like, you know, we're inundated with information of like, you know, to be healthy, you have to like build your cardiovascular system. You have to like building muscle. You have to, you know, you have to chase all the things. Um, And it's, you know, I think, I think the fear is, you know, people are like, well, I'm going to lose my fitness. Like, especially coming from a CrossFit background, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, well, I like, if I just don't do this kind of workout, if I don't do my hit workout, if I don't, you know, get my weekend run in, like, I'm just gonna, you know, lose all of my cardiovascular fitness. And like, I'm I'm not going to be considered fit anymore. And it's like, well, I mean, not, necess- not necessarily, like, there are ways to kind of like meaningfully incorporate those things, those things. But, you know, like we talk about here at like elevated, um, you know, it's, it's a phasic approach, right? Like, it's not like you can never run again, (laughs) or like, you can never jump in on a CrossFit workout, you can never do the things you enjoy. No, but it's like, what are we chasing right now? You know, like, if you want to build muscle, you, (laughs) you have to have the resources to do so by way of nutrition and recovery. Right. So you have to look at like outside of that, are you doing things that are chipping away at that? Absolutely. Okay. I think that's such an important, I think that's such an important takeaway though. And that's again, very much like speaking to this idea if more isn't always more, I would ask like, how have you seen your perception of like what effort or progression or even like your mindset around the loads that you're lifting in the gym how has that changed with this transition so i like to say that you know if you're new to hypertrophy training Mm -hmm. or you are i like to say a recovering crossfitter right you're you're hypertrophy curious let's say or maybe you just need a reminder (laughs) but like my term (laughs) Uh, but my trademark copyright my favorite thing is to say like the best thing that you can do is to completely abandon any notion of a one RM, like a one rep max, you know, or like, like PR loads lifted one RM, anything like that is the best thing that you can do and just recalibrate. Um, And this might be sort of like a bit existential, you know, way of looking at it, but like with hypertrophy, it just almost like the weight just doesn't matter. Like it literally does not matter the number on the side of the dumbbell or the plate. All that matters is that proximity to failure. 
like that RIR that you're chasing, right? That's how we measure our proximity to failure. It's like the effort and intensity with which you bring to, you know, whatever movement you're doing. Like it, it just doesn't even, it doesn't matter whether it's like 30 pounds, 40, 50, and so on. What matters is like what you're getting out of it. Right. So like if we can kind of like take, you know, take the numbers out of the equation, like take the ego out of the equation and just like chase the RIR and the stimulus and the response, like that's what's going to drive results. And like, yes, I mean, just speaking to progressive overload, yes, like it, it has to be the pursuit of doing more week over week. But like, it, does that even make sense? You know what I mean? Like no. the number just is immaterial. It, it doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah. I mean, this is something that comes up all the time. I know when I'm breaking down form videos for clients where it's, as you said, first, like RIR, the reps in the tank at the end of the set is a very important variable where to simulate, basically to put the tissue that we're trying to grow, let's say you're trying to train your, to build your glutes, to send, basically we need a large enough stress. We need to recruit and fatigue enough fibers within that tissue to send the signal to your body. Like, Hey, we need to adapt and grow bigger and stronger to better manage the stress next time. But that requires us taking said that like training said tissue relatively close to failure and generally like thinking one to two reps in the tank. But similarly, as you said, like such a big variable of it as well is not just the load, but did we actually apply tension to that specific tissue, right? Like if we're looking at you doing a back squat, for example, I could throw 500 pounds on the bar and do like a quarter squat. Cool. I lifted 500 pounds. But I didn't like, did that actually, did that actually put any significant tension on my quads or my glutes and stress them through a full range of motion? No. Whereas maybe I have to drop down to 225 to go through a full range of motion squat, really get a good stretch on my quads and really, again, like take that close to actually failing. But within that, like that lighter weight will yield a lot, like taken through a full range of motion and with good execution and still training like within a close proximity to failure, I'll get much more out of that than just like throwing the heaviest weight I can on the bar and like using sloppy execution and just like doing whatever I can to get it up. A lot of times in a scenario like that, we're not actually, we're like using recruiting other muscles and just using body English and things of that nature to actually lift the load. And this isn't like, I don't want people to interpret this as like, okay, so we should just like lightweight is always better or anything of that nature. That's not what we're saying, but we shouldn't focus on load at the cost of execution of the movement, right? Because the way we execute a movement is really going to dictate where we drive the tension, where we drive the stimulus. Right. And I mean, you know, like again, with the Venn diagram, like there is one, there is overlap, of course. And, you know, if you are doing things in a, like, like you said, you know, if you are prioritizing, you know, range of motion, tempo, execution, you know, RIR, like you will get stronger. The, the weight, the weights will go up. Right. Absolutely. But it, but it just doesn't even matter what that weight is. You know, yeah. it's like if it was, you're on the cables and it's like five <laughs> or like, which and I like, I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything, um, <laughs> but you know, when you're like at the, the first like little plate on the cable, like who cares, right. you know? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm signaling to my muscle to grow and like, you know what, a year from now, maybe I'll be at 7.5.
<laughs> I feel your pain there. If it <laughs> helps, I've been on like the top tier of my uh, functional trainer at home for so damn long as well. So I feel you there. All right, let's dig into nutrition a bit. And I would ask a very similar question. Um, kind of as your approach to nutrition has evolved, are um are there any key pieces you think you were previously missing? that you kind of like share with the audience or like any key pieces that you were previously missing that you kind of try to impart on your clients now? So that question makes sense. Yes. Um, well, I think I would have to start with um, more isn't always more. <laughs> it's like the theme of the show, you know, like you don't need to do all the things all the time. You just need to make changes over time. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you don't need to do all the things at once. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I had to lead in with that because it's, it's very similar on the training side of things. Right. right. Um, and then again, similar to the training side of things, like start with the minimum effective dose, you know, I mean, it's like, I think, you know, when, when people are kind of starting out with a nutrition journey, you know, what, what, sparks them like what to what motivates them to like seek help you know from a coach is like they're just they're kind of at their wits end you mm -hmm. know and they're just like ready for change which i love but because they're ready for change they want to do all the things right you know and it's like but you don't you know like you don't need to slash calories like you know unnecessarily right like, you don't need like a 20,000 step count per day goal. Like you do, you know, like start with the minimum effective dose. And then we, you know, we have various levers we can pull from there. Um, and then I would also have to say, um, and this is like such a big one, food quality matters. Absolutely. Sorry to be a buzzkill, everyone. But like it matters. Um, it matters so much. You know, I definitely went through the like, you know, with my nutrition transformation, it was just like I, I had to totally flex on all the fun things I could eat. And I was like, look at me, still losing weight. Like, this is the best life ever. And like, I think I had to go through that to be where I am now, you know, to kind of like come out the other end and be like, whoa, that's like. I think we could find a bit more balance there. I think that's an important lesson though, you know, is like you can work in fun foods, but like once you kind of go through that, you come out the other end and you're like, oh wait, okay. But like food quality does matter. <laughs> like it matters like with how I feel it matters with like the thermic effect of food. And like, it really matters in a fat loss phase. I mean, wow. Oh yeah. And that's like, I know I posted about this yesterday, even with my own, like last time I was this thing, my photo shoot is in like three hours, out of <laughs> two hours actually that I've been prepping for. And it's even for me, it's crazy to see like last time I was lean in 2019, I was just playing the, if it fits your macros game, it was like the same thing as you're describing there, where it's like, how many calories can I save for the end of the day? So I can eat as much halo top as possible. Right. Yeah. And it's like, man, I feel terrible going to my training sessions. I'm constantly tired. I'm so damn hungry. And that was like months where I was feeling like that, where like still this process has been hard, but I've been very, very, very focused on food quality, fueling myself well, peri workout. And it's crazy still to see like the difference that makes, because as you said, like even from like the thermic effect of food, we're going to burn more calories digesting whole foods versus processed foods. Um, 
when we're looking at how you feel micronutrients past just looking at macros, but also digging deeper into your micronutrients and making sure we're getting plenty of your V vitamin, your B vitamins, vitamin D, selenium, zinc, things of that nature to support thyroid to support sex hormone production. Like that's such an important variable. All of that is kind of this all encompassing picture. It's kind of like this entire ecosystem of things that like at the end of like, say we're in a fat loss phase at the end of that, what's your body composition is going to look like and how you're going to feel right and your food quality does have a dramatic impact on that um something that you are very good about um and i know this is always a challenging conversation with clients is i know that a lot of your clients spend a decent amount of time focusing on maintenance or even like in a primer phase we call it at the start of their work with you can you speak to that a little bit like why do you think that is such an important variable of this Mm, um, yes, everyone starts in a primer phase, everyone, um, because, you know, despite the time that we spend on the phone in a discovery call, like getting to know each other, you know, my, you know, my social media audit of your life, um, <laughs> you know, stalking, some might call That's it. That's hilarious. Um, That's a very it, real thing though. It is. It is. Um, I'll admit it, but you know, I, I don't care who you are. You're going through a primer phase with me because despite all of that, I don't know you. Like I haven't, I don't know you on a coach, you know, coachy level yet. So the primer phase is like for me to get to know you and your habits and your foundation and your psyche. I know what you've told me, but I need to know what you are going to show me about your uh, so many things like your diet history, your readiness for change, your willingness for change, um, you know, more about your, your dietary history. Like, are you coming from a history of restriction? Right. Because if you are, if all, you know, is restriction, like you probably don't need more restriction. Um, so like that primer phase is, is really, it's a lot of things. It's like a, Hey, let's make sure that you have like the habits, skills, and foundations to make you successful at literally anything else we do together. Like mm -hmm. whether it be finding maintenance, exploring maintenance or a build or a cut. Like I, I want to make sure you have every tool in the toolbox to be successful at the future thing that we do. And like, that is what a primer phase is. And so depending on your history and your level and, you know, again, readiness and willingness for change, like you might spend a little bit more time in that primer phase and it is not lost time. It is not a waste of time. The, this is the time when we sharpen the tools, right? And like we build the habits and foundations that will make you successful at fat loss, that will make you successful at a build or even maintenance, right? I really like to say that for fat loss, like I want, my goal is like for the hardest part of fat loss to be hunger and some, there's going to be some FOMO, right? Like <laughs> I really want to like eat that bowl of cereal, you know, or like go right. out eat whatever I want. I mean, yeah, I want that to be the hardest part of fat loss. Not like good grief. How do I do this? Like, right. How do I, how do I hit my protein goal? It's like, whoa, like if we're not there yet, you know, we got to get the house in order before we start painting. I couldn't agree more. And I think that is 
such an important part of our job as coaches as well. Like to speak that a bit further, a lot of individuals that come from a background of restriction typically still are in a place where like, Hey, I want to get leaner. So I want to hire a coach. And oftentimes it's easy for that individual to look at it as, okay, I want to continue with the exact same patterns, but because I'm paying a coach, I'm going to get a different result, right? So if I've been dieting for the last three years, five years, whatever it is, we're just going to hop right back into a diet, right? And for some reason, that's going to yield a different result where very much like we have to take time. We have to do something different to get a different result, right? Like change has to precede change. Changing out action has to precede change in outcomes. And within that, like we do have to take time often just as much from like, spending some time fueling your body, focusing again on micronutrient status, making sure we can consistently eat protein, but just as much like from a mental perspective, getting out of like these unhealthy cycles of like, man, if I went slightly over my calories, or if I see the scale shift up a bit, I feel like I have to like starve myself for the next few days. Like that, I think is such an important part of like, as you said, kind of just getting the house in order, because if we try to enter a fat loss phase and we still have all these patterns and habits in place from like where you were before. It's kind of like, I kind of like look at it as almost like driving school, right? Where it's like, okay, let's say that last time you were like, you drove the car, you crashed, you're newer to driving, or you're just not that good of a driver yet. That's kind of like, if we were like immediately pushed you in fat loss phases, like, okay, last time we were going 35. Now let's, let's try going 80 and let's see if it like works a little bit better this time. Right. It's not like we were very much, I think that is such an important variable. I also think it speaks so much to like uh, whether a coach is focused on your long-term success, whether they're willing to do that or not, because straight up, that is probably the hardest and sometimes most frustrating thing to try to coach someone through because really very few people want to do that shit. But again, it's like, Hey, yeah, maybe we could, you're coming in, you're eating 1200 calories we could slash you down to 800 calories. We could continue to diet and we could maybe get a good side-by-side transformation picture from you in three months. But if we didn't undo anything that you've done over the last like five years, 10 years, however long it's been, we haven't actually helped in the long term. So again, I think like, go, go ahead. I was just say like, I think, um, you know, I think a, a lot of people, especially this audience, like if you're listening to this podcast, you you probably know that, you know, a fat loss phase requires a calorie deficit, you know, mm-hmm. eating less food. And so like to that end, you know, I have to break down like your expectation, like a client expectation for like, okay, so if you have a history of restriction and like you understand the mechanism for fat loss, like you get how all this works. And yes, right. there are exceptions, like there are nuances and like we can talk hormones and, you know, things of that nature, but like, let's just go down this, this thought experiment, you know, um, most people understand the mechanism for fat loss, which is a calorie deficit. If that's what you've been just like chipping away at for years without a coach, you know? And it's just like this, like cramming a square peg in a round hole. And it's like, I don't get it. Like, why isn't this working? Like going to a coach and being like, okay, now you put me in a calorie deficit. Now it's going to work. It's like, okay, well, you think like, you're just going to maybe be able to like white knuckle it a little bit better because you have supervision now, you know? And it's like, I mean, yes, like 
we got a few tricks up our sleeve, of course. Like we're going to get your protein goal higher, get you eating better foods. You know, they're more satiating and like, you know, talk mindset. I mean, we totally have some tools in our toolbox to help with consistency at, at adherence. But like, if you were white knuckling it before, like just going to, it's just more of the same, you know? And, and what I would ask is like, have you... I mean, yes, like give your hormones a rest, give your body a rest, but like give your mind a rest. Like has your mind ever, ever had time off from pursuing fat loss? Have you ever spent like one day, you know, wish not wishing that you were smaller right? or that your body was better? Like that is a prison. And if I can help, anyone escape that thought prison because it is it is a prison to be out at a meal with friends which should be a fun time and and feel so guilt-ridden and feel like you're the one that can't eat out of the bread basket everyone else can but i can't it's like i'm gonna gain weight it's it's punishment like have you ever taken time away from that if the answer is no I'm sorry, but you probably don't need more restriction. I can agree more. I think that's incredibly well put and probably strikes a chord. It might be a hard thing to hear, but it probably does strike a chord with a lot of listeners as well. So last question that I want to get into with you here before I let you go. Um, And we may have already touched on quite a bit of this, but I want to hear if you have any further thoughts when it comes to any women listening who are already crushing themselves in the gym, but just aren't seeing the physique changes they want. Are there any other key components we haven't already touched on yet that you often see new clients are missing? Yes. Um, I think that people think that the way to their dream body is through fat loss. Um, And in reality, Um, I think one thing we do very well here is um, we are very clear about the fact that like, hey, your journey is probably going to look a lot longer than you might initially think. And of course, we take the time to like explain and talk through it. Um, But like your, you know, your calendar, (laughs) is probably going to have a build phase on it. Like Mm -hmm. we need to spend time in pursuit of growing muscle tissue. And to that end, you can't get something for nothing. Muscle tissue costs. You literally cannot materialize muscle tissue out of thin air, right? And like, it, it costs, it costs food. <laughs> so like that is going to be a part of your plan. Like we're going to spend time out of fat loss and maybe even out of maintenance in a slight surplus to optimize muscle growth because the shape that you want, that toned physique probably has more muscle and it probably weighs more than you might think. Oh, absolutely. And that's, again, I think like so many, it's so easy to like see someone on Instagram um, who has the busy you want and not consider like, just look at like how lean they are, but not consider, hey, do they have quite a bit more muscle than I do? Which I think like a lot of times when we're in those comparisons, like I think it's so easy to like forget that it, building muscle is just as an important variable there as like depending on our goals getting lean can be so i think that's such an important part and that's something we talk about constantly um i know you refer to like your own consistency and that being one of the biggest variables that change 
Do you think that's like a common issue with clients as well? Yeah, I think that it is surprising to most just how consistent you have to be. And like, I love that. I know we both say this a lot, but like, I say it all the time. Like, I don't make the rules. Like, you know, I mean, I am not like the wizard of like thermodynamics. <laughs> like, I, you, this, you have to be, you have to be consistent. Um, you know, I mean, I think when depending, it, it's context dependent, right? Like, what's your starting point? Right. And also, what's what are you working towards? What's your quote endpoint? Not that there's ever an end on our journey here, but right. You know, like what what result are you chasing and where are you starting from? Because the reality is, is that perhaps at first a few small tweaks will get you very, very far, but it's a moving target. And the closer we get and the closer we like zero in on that moving target, like you got to do more, which again, back to my point of like, start with the minimum effective dose, right? Because if you stick with it, there will come a point where you have to do more. And you got to have more to give if that's what you want. Right. And like, to your question, it's like consistency. And I think most people are very surprised at just how consistent you have to be. And yes, that means the weekends. And yes, it's hard to eat out at restaurants. Sorry, I don't make the rules. I wish I did because I would make them so, so, so very different (laughs) for me, (laughs) for me more than anything. (laughs) Agreed. And I also like to lay out in a context like that, like there are different seasons for all of this, right? Similar to what you said before with like, um, if you've been trapped in this mindset of always like pursuing weight loss, right? There are different seasons where like when we're a season of fat loss, we do have to be very dialed in. For most people, it's going to feel unfair how consistent, especially when we're talking about like lean people getting leaner it's going to feel unfair how consistent you have to be in order to push the needle forward. But I mean, on the flip side, if we're like at in a season of maintenance, if we're in a building phase, for example, there is more room for flexibility there. But even within that, like the consistency with, even if it is like, Hey, we have a free meal. We still need you consistently hitting your targets. We still need you consistent with your training, right? Like, I think that's just such an underrated variable that most people overlook. Um, Man, I feel like there was so much good application here. And again, I'm so glad to have finally gotten you on the podcast. We are definitely going to have to do this more frequently. Before I let you go here, Natalie, will you just tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. Um, in the cereal aisle of any grocery store. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so cinnamon, buying Cinnamon Toast Crunch specifically. A hundred percent. Is that the all-time best cereal? Yes or no? Uh, I say yes, yes. I'm personally oh. partial to. I'm a big cinnamon toast crunch fan, but I also really like fruity pebbles with marshmallows. It's like Lucky Charms marshmallows and fruity pebbles. Pretty damn good. It's it's okay. It's like it's okay, but you know, it's like on a desert island, one box of cereal, like cinnamon toast crunch. It just okay. it has to. But I can't fault you for that. Apart from, well, and also like I know you know this, but the the new like cinnamon toast crunch golden grams collab, like cinnagram toast crunch, is just <laughs> elite, like god tier. Um, but um, also you can find me on Instagram at Natalie Swell. Get it? 
Um, because Natalie Eats was already taken. So we had to we had to up the ante and say eats well and okay. be grammatically correct while we're at it. Um or like I think I think like I'm very transparent on Instagram about my day to day. There really no there's no mystery, no surprises. So you know that I'm shopping for cereal. I'm at my gym DMV Iron, which is insane. It's like super a jealous about Jen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I actually don't even want to say this publicly because I don't want there to be more people and more crowds, but like my gym <laughs> are the best. It's like oh, shout out, shout out. Um yeah, or like you know, on Instagram, just find me there. I love chatting to people. I love it when people reach out. Um, I like answering questions because if I can help, I will. Absolutely. And I will link that up in the show notes as well. You really do an incredible job just putting your day-to-day out there, like your training, what you're focusing on within your technique, what you're eating. You do such a good job putting that out there, but also it's so applicable for anyone that's consuming it as well. And again, I know you're great about just hopping in your DMs and answering whatever questions people have. So again, I'll link that up in the show notes so everybody can follow you. And again, reach out to Natalie. She's happy to help with whatever I'm assuming. I'm kind of putting words in your mouth there, but I'm assuming (laughs) that's the case. Um, But again, Natalie, thank you for being a part of our team and thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. We'll talk to you guys soon.